You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news from the past couple weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back, Shark Curious, to another episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. I am the host here. My name is Alex, and life decided to life again, but here we are finally getting this episode out to you guys. Once again, I do appreciate all the patience and support that you guys have had, and I also wanted to mention that right now we're about half the listeners are in the U.S., and the other half are outside of the U.S., but the U.S. number's been dropping simply because we've been gaining so many outside of the U.S., Sharkiras, which is amazing. Uh, you guys continue to listen, share, support, and it's it's been so amazing. Also, in case you're wondering, Texas is still the most listened to state, which has absolutely throttled me and is amazing. So uh, thank you guys so much for all of that. I am really close to reaching uh, one goal that I set when I started this, which was to have this podcast reach every state, and we're currently too short. Uh, we do have uh, DC and, and everything like that. Uh, but we are currently missing both of the Dakotas. So if you guys know anyone that lives in North or South Dakota, just send it out to them. See if they'll listen. Then we, we can make that goal and that'd be sick. Uh, but I also can't thank you all enough for how much you've listened, how much you've shared, all the messages you sent, any topics, any jokes, anything like that. I've loved all of it. Uh, also people sending in, uh, different sharks that they're wondering what they are and they want me to help identify, which is kind of wild. Cause I didn't think I'd be in that position. Um, I'd also know that I've done this sappy bit before, but I really just can't believe that this is where we are. It's been so nuts and I appreciate all of you so much for listening and, and being so involved. It's been amazing. But I'd also like to take a quick second to shout out Science Saves Sharks on Instagram. Uh, they do great work posting shark information, interesting stories, tips to help the environment, and sharks as well, and also so much more. Uh, they also help me find other shark podcasts and YouTube channels, which has been amazing. Uh, so go out and give them a follow. It's science underscore saves underscore sharks. It's a great page to follow. Also, real quick, I'm stealing a bit from John Oliver, who when he started last week tonight, uh, he said that he wanted to get a koala center named after him in Australia, and he succeeded in that. So I had a kind of lifelong goal that anytime there's been a shark that needs a name at an aquarium, I send in either my name or one of the many nicknames that I've had. So I want to see if there's a possibility that eventually a shark gets named after me because of this podcast, which would be absolutely nuts. <laughs> so I have had a lot of nicknames growing up. Uh, so of course, aquariums, if you don't just want to name a shark, Alex, there's, there's plenty, just hit me up. I'll give you many of those nicknames and I will be more than happy to go to that aquarium and meet the shark version of me, which would be so great, but you know, wishful thinking. We'll see if it happens, but of course, follow along on Instagram at deep dives with sharks or on Twitter at deep dive sharks to participate, ask any questions, send in suggestions, anything like that. The shark that we're going to be doing for this episode is the basking shark. And this one was requested by quite a few of you pretty much uh, right around when people would listen to the whale shark episode. I'd usually get suggestions on either that episode or also on like DMS or uh, just sending it in on comments, things like that. So this one's been a long time coming and I was really excited to do this shark. Uh, also, I did realize that pretty much every episode I do say that the shark is either very neat or or I was very excited to do that shark. So uh, this one is par for the course. But these are the second largest shark. They measure in at around 26 feet long or about 7.9 meters, which comes in just behind my personal favorite shark, the whale shark, which is around 40 feet or 20 meters. 
Now, these guys have a lot of names, which include the bone shark, elephant shark, sailfish, and the sunfish, which is probably very confusing to actual sailfish and actual sunfish. Uh, for those of you that don't know what they look like, the sunfish kind of looks like a big disc that swims to the ocean that have fins on top and bottom, and sometimes seagulls land, at them, uh, land on their sides and will like peck at the, uh, the parasites on them and stuff, so it's a nice little relationship there. And sailfish are super fast. They have that long fin on the back of them, and they also like kind of look like swordfish. I think they're, they're very similar, but I'm... I know more about sharks than, than sailfish and swordfish, so I don't know if they're actually the same or if they're very similar. But in Orkney, the basking shark is referred to as the ho-mother, or homer for short, which means the mother of the picked dogfish. Kind of adorable. When you imagine basking sharks are just dogfish parents, especially since dogfish are very small. And Orkney is just south of Scotland, for those of you that do not know that, myself previously included. But basking sharks exist in most of the oceans outside of the tropics and the arctics. They like warmer waters, but not quite as hot as the tropics, and definitely not as cold as the Greenland shark likes it, so the arctic is pretty much out. But uh, to rattle off a couple countries where you can find them, or at least find them around, they're not typically in countries, but the United States, Canada, parts of Mexico, South America, uh, just south of Ecuador, all the way around the tip to about the south of Brazil, so they're not actually in Ecuador or Brazil, just south of those. Uh, from there, you can also find them in the uh, continent of Africa, but minus the central coast, so northern Africa and southern Africa, and also all of Europe, essentially. There weren't many parts of Europe that they weren't a part of, but to get a little bit more specific on some areas, uh, they were found around New Zealand, Taiwan, China, Japan, Norway, Denmark, the United Kingdom, Ireland. The list continues on and on and on. They get their name because these sharks tend to hang out near the surface when feeding and basking in the warmer waters. So basking sharks like to bask in warmer waters. They tend to stay at the surface, but they can also be found as deep as about 2,990 feet or about 910 meters. So they do get pretty deep most of the time. They prefer temperatures around 9 to 14.5 degrees Celsius or around 46.4 to 51.8 degrees Fahrenheit. They have been observed crossing the equator, though, uh, during migration, so they can exist in warmer waters, but they tend to stay near shores, around bays, and sometimes heading into brackish water, which is water that has a lower salinity level than the ocean but isn't quite fresh water. Basking sharks can often be found following where plankton go as that is their main source of food. Historically, the size of basking sharks was largely debated as some lengths came in around 40 feet or 12 and a half meters around 1884 and 1905. But these did not have good amounts of evidence to support these claims and current lengths are about 26 feet or 7.9 meters, so quite a bit less. It's not, uh, it is possible that these species have shrunk over time, but there's not a whole lot of evidence to support that. So it's a possibility, but not concrete. These sharks sometimes are confused as great whites though, which in my opinion, they don't look very similar, but I can see where the similarities lay. So just to help, uh, here are some factors that can help to easily identify a basking shark versus a great white. Uh, for one, basking sharks have massive circular shaped mouths when fully opened and feeding, which is a lot of times when you'll see them up in the upper columns of the water. They also have a longer, uh, more rounded nose, which looks very different from great whites, which are definitely more pointed and straight. So it kind of looks like a basking shark's nose would be squishy, but uh, great whites tends to look like it'd be more firm. 
These sharks also have more textured skin, uh, smaller teeth, and they also look like they have a severe overbite, so they do need to see an orthodontist. These guys are also incredibly slow. They only move about 2.3 miles per hour, or about 2 knots, or 3.7 kilometers per hour. Now, because that doesn't hold a lot of weight for a lot of people, um, just for reference, Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympian of all time, also from Maryland, but you know, whatever, it's fine. Uh, he swam at about 6 miles per hour, so if Shark Week would have put Michael Phelps against a basking shark, he probably would have won. Um, instead, they put him against a great white, which was much quicker, and he lost. So, you know, whatever. But these sharks also have massive livers that run the length of what would be their abdomen or midsection. Uh, so that kind of like chest to stomach area on a human. Um, researchers believe that it does account for 25% of their body weight. And their total body weight is about 4.58 long tons. These sharks greatly adapted to filter feeding by having a massive mouth that is circular in shape, unlike the whale shark, which has a flatter mouth. Uh, these guys also have gill rakers that help with filtering plankton from the water so that the gills can process gases such as oxygen from the water without getting all gunked up by plankton. Whale sharks also have this adaption, and so do many filter feeders. But unlike whale sharks, basking sharks do not actively filter feed, meaning they can't suck the water into their mouth and force it through their gills. Instead, they do ram ventilation, which is where they swim with their mouth open to collect the plankton that way, which whale sharks can do that as well. But typically when you see them feeding, they're sucking in the water, spitting it back out. Uh, they can filter about 450 tons of water an hour, which equals a lot of plankton. They did not give me an actual number, so we're going with a lot. They have been seen in groups of up to 1,400 in the northern U.S. around Maine during high plankton blooms. They have some interesting social behaviors, as they typically are solitary animals during the summer months, but during the winter when the plankton are dense, they form groups of about three to four based on the gender of the shark, so males stay with males, females stay with females, although some groups can jump up to about 100. Now, I know that that might be a little bit confusing, since I did just say they can be seen in groups of up to 1400 so just for a little bit of clarification you typically find them in small groups of about three to four based on gender but that can also jump up to a hundred which is more common to find three to four sometimes you find a hundred but when you get all those groups together around maine in the winter then that's when you get about 1400 individuals there so the same way that whale sharks travel down to cancun and you see about 400 whale sharks around that area in like the springtime it's the same thing, but it's not all 400 whale sharks just in a ball. Same way you're not getting all 1,400 basking sharks just on top of each other. They, they're in the same area, but there's, there's space between the groups. In southern Canada, near New Brunswick in the Bay of Fundy, uh, and the Hebrides around Scotland, I am so sorry if I'm, if I'm butchering these. I've not been to these places, and I, I've never heard these places said, so I'm terribly, terribly sorry. <laughs> Basking sharks have been observed swimming nose to tail in circles, and scientists believe that this is a form of a mating ritual, which is actually rather neat, because a lot of sharks don't really have a mating ritual besides just biting each other, which is absolutely violent. Uh, they, do, uh, or they don't have many predators, uh, but they have been seen to have lampreys stuck to them, uh, which is their, stuck to their thicker skins. So they're kind of like eel-like creatures that like to latch on. Uh, whale sharks, uh, or sorry, white sharks feed on the remains of basking sharks, and killer whales have been seen feeding on them as well off the coast of California. Another reason why orcas are jerks. First, they're eating six gill sharks' livers. Now they're taking out basking sharks. So it's on site, orcas. I will lose, but it's on site. 
They are oviviparous. Ovo, oh my goodness, I cannot say this word to save my life again. Ovoviviparous. There we go. My goodness, which means that the eggs develop internally until they are ready to be born into the water. And this can take over a year, maybe up to two or even three, depending on the individual. Mating begins in early summer and pupping in late summer when the mother moves into shallow waters. Scientists do not have an accurate number of how many pups are born at once, but they are often around uh, 4 foot 11 inches to about 6 foot 7 or 1.5 to 2 meters. Easy enough. Now, these sharks are listed as endangered for a variety of reasons. Being a larger shark, their fins are incredibly valuable to certain people who are also lame as hell. But these sharks will be caught and finned. Uh, they also are used as fish meal, oil from their liver, as the hide for leather, and they're also used as medicine and as an aphrodisiac, which does not work. And to keep it PG, that is all I have to say about but that is what I have about the basking shark for this week. If you guys have any questions or anything like that, uh, one little uh, fun fact that I remember from a couple years ago, but I couldn't find any update on was that basking sharks around Maine had been observed uh, breaching the water at about five meters a second. And scientists really weren't sure why, if it was like to help get parasites off of them or any, anything like that. Um, to this day, I believe it's still a mystery. So if anyone has an answer for that, send it my way that'd be so sick to figure that out finally because it's been bouncing around my brain for years it's like my one of my favorite shark facts to tell and everyone's like oh did you ever figure it out i, I didn't so maybe you guys can help me out that'd be kind of sick but of course if you guys have any questions anything like that send them over to me on the socials and i'll be so happy to read about that but going on to shark safety now this week we're going to be covering what to do if sharks are investigating you while doing water activities and this is kayaking, paddleboarding, surfing, etc. And this one comes from surfline.com. If you want to find the actual article, I did take pretty much all of it just from there. Um, but they said something along the line to like how to prevent sharks attacking you while doing water sports, which I don't like the word attack, so I just switched the title a little bit, but check them out. They're super helpful. Uh, but a very common tip that you've heard probably every safety section that I've done on this podcast is to avoid their feeding times. Once again, that is dawn and dusk. I know it's beautiful and getting that golden hour surf is so sick, but it's also when sharks are most active and you are most likely to get bit. So wait a little bit, head out when it's a little bit brighter out, more visibility to you means less chance something sneaks up on you. You also want to keep your head on a swivel. I know I've mentioned this a lot as well, but you want to be observing your surroundings when you're on the beach, the launch, before you even get in the water. You want to be looking out for signs that sharks could be nearby. Now, typically sharks aren't going to sneak up on you in the sand, but this is the time to be looking rather than when you get in the water. This could be literal signs that people put there that tell you, hey, there's been a shark in the water, dead prey on the beach with bite marks, maybe even a bait ball or fish fish frenzy my goodness that is not too far from shore which for those of you that don't know what that looks like it kind of looks like the water's boiling these are signs that a shark is nearby and extreme caution should be used these things could also be from other animals uh dolphins tend to stir up bait balls quite frequently especially out uh in ocean city maryland i remember all the times we'd look out and see a bait ball going crazy and you'd see a dolphin jump up and it was really cool so sometimes it's just dolphins but just because dolphins there, that doesn't mean sharks aren't nearby. So just make sure you still keep your head on a swivel. Don't let your guard down. 
you would like to avoid deep channels. If you're on a kayak or paddleboard, remember that you're not a cargo ship, so you can go into shallower shallower areas. That's a hard phrase to say. <laughs> but without worrying about scraping the bottom, uh, do watch for oyster patches or smaller things that might scrape the bottom of your kayak or paddleboard, but you shouldn't have to worry about those too much, especially if you're watching for sharks. It's probably going to be a little bit deeper than that. Uh, but sharks do like deep channels because fish often are forced into a certain area in those channels. So the sharks can hunt so much easier. Just all they got to do is pretty much just go chomp and they're done. So don't let them confuse you for a fish here. You also want to watch for river mouths, as that's another area where rivers dump into a larger body of water, and sharks hang out there because brackish fish will swim right to them, so makes it easy hunting. Sharks tend to go for the easy fish to get, and if you're just going to swim right into their mouths, well, they're going to hang out right there. Now, safety's in safety in numbers is absolutely huge. Now, sharks don't often go after a group of large prey, and humans would be considered to look like large prey. We're not really prey for them. They don't often go after us, but especially if they're going for a bunch of seals, you, you don't see them trying to get four seals at once. They're usually going for one. Eat one seal, one tuna, not 12. So they go for the prey that's isolated as well. So try not to venture too far away from your group. Try to stay in the nice, not too tight, compact group, but stay together. That way the shark's not going to try to get you if you're isolated. Now this one was a funny title for me said don't wear a lure which at first i was like well yeah who's gonna tie a fishing line to their leg and just dangle their foot in the water with the lure on the end that's that's kind of weird but then i realized they were talking about jewelry so some lures do have shiny bits on them that tend to catch the sunlight and mimic fish scales to get other fish to bite your jewelry will do the exact same so smaller sharks may come and investigate and determine that your finger ankle neck Anything that has a shiny on it is a tasty fish, and you could get bit. So try to leave all the shinies back on the beach. You also want to stay away from dead sea life. First of all, it's gross. It could have germs or diseases on it that get you sick, and you don't know why it died, so just don't touch it. But also, sharks do tend to eat dead stuff sometimes. And if you're trying to use Mr. Dead Seal or Dead Fish as a puppet, well, now you smell like fish or seal, and a shark could get confused and or think your ventriloquism is just terrible and they'll bite you for that reason they're rather judgmental now that of course is a joke so they're not gonna bite you because you do bad ventriloquism but just don't touch dead things it's just not a good idea you also want to try not to flail about this one is one thing that if you're falling and you're trying to regain your balance that's fine you know sometimes you got to do a quick motion you don't have to be methodical the entire time but also, don't just start splashing your friends left, right, and center if you feel like there might be a shark nearby. That's not a great idea. You don't want to slap the surface, jolt around, just for the sake of flailing. This is one of the many ways to alert sharks to come closer and see what's up. It's cool if a shark swims by, but you don't want to do things that actively attract them to you because once sharks are nearby, it's more likely you're going to get bit. If sharks aren't in the area, they can't bite you. But if you bring sharks right to you, they're going to try to figure out what you are in one of those ways with their mouth and they have really sharp teeth so just got to be careful on that one another tip is to gear up now this simply means that there's ways to deter sharks uh, one of the ways that they mentioned was giant eye stickers on the bottom of your board making it appear like a large predator which could confuse the shark there's also shark billies now this one i would say is probably one of the best which is simply just a stick that all you need is uh, you could really be anything i know that they've said before that shark billies could be even like an umbrella stand like something like that that just keeps them away 
Um, I think a lot of the ones that they use on Shark Week are like kind of like reinforced like foam ones. That way they don't hurt the shark either. Um, but it shouldn't be anything shark. You're not trying to stab it. You're, it should be very blunt uh, just so that way you can push them away from you without having to use your hand or your body, anything like that. Um, I know I talked about them in my rant, but looking more into them, they actually seem incredibly useful. Um, I don't bring them with me to the beach because I usually don't go out like past my hips, but probably wouldn't be the worst idea. And I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm just going to be out there waiting and standing there with a stick. So, <laughs> you know, just, just something to think about. But if you're going to go out deep or go diving or kayaking, anything like that, it's something that you can just leave on, on your board or on the kayak, it, it, it'll be helpful to keep the sharks a little bit away from you if they do start investigating. Uh, now, there are also devices that will put electronic pulses in the water that keep sharks away. Uh, I'm not sure how expensive they are or anything like that, um, but they do need more research. Uh, so the article did mention that these need a lot more research to see exactly how effective they are. They've shown good results so far, but also I know that sometimes if a shark sees eyes, it might think, oh, this is an easy meal, and it might go for you at that point. So maybe wait for more research and hold off. Maybe for now, just go with the shark billy. That's probably going to be the best gear for you. Um, and also, as I mentioned, not wearing the color yellow uh, because sharks can see that very, very well in the water um, and also not wearing shiny things. So those those types of things are like the, the biggest ones that have been researched. And of course, lastly, is to just get out of the water. There's a shark nearby and it won't bug off and you feel like you're going to get bit. Just head back to shore or the launch or wherever you are. Just get out of the water. It's totally fine to call it and try again. Uh, I know that it might be frustrating because you're on vacation and this is what you thought was going to be such a great experience and this is the time you allotted for that. But it's also not going to be really fun if you get bit. Now you got to spend the rest of the day in the hospital and possibly the next couple days. Like You want to spend your vacation enjoying your vacation, not laying in a hospital bed. So don't force an experience if it's unsafe. Just that goes across the board in general, not just for sharks, but in anything. So if, if you signed up for parasailing and a thunderstorm's coming, you know, call it. Just go go do something else. Play mini golf, you know, something like that. You know, just don't don't go up in a, a that's a fear of mine. Side note, I I am terrified of parasailing in general. Um but dear God, do not get on a parasail when it's about to storm anyway. But <laughs> that is what I have for the shark safety portion. Or yeah, shark, shark safety portion of the episode. My goodness, that fell apart at the end. But <laughs> we're going to move on to shark news. Now this one, I do actually have one from a country I haven't. Actually, uh, both of these I haven't really talked about yet, which is really exciting. I didn't realize that till right now. That's awesome. But <laughs> going into the shark news, the first one is that divers spot, quote, blue shadow in Kenya. Then amazing sea creature appears among sharks. And this is reported by the Miami Herald. Now, this one comes from Kenya, as I mentioned, which I haven't covered uh, a lot of stories of sharks from Africa in general. So as a continent, so I was pumped for this. And if you guys have any other African shark stories or want to hear more about those, please send them over my way. I will be so happy to do them. I'm trying to expand as much as I can here. I also haven't done too many Asian sharks, so uh, definitely should hit some of those when I hit alien sharks uh, out in Japan. I've hit a couple, so, you know, well, anyway, I digress. But <laughs> a dive team was researching sharks in the area when they noticed a large shadow in the water with white spots. 
And that's when they quickly realized it was a whale shark, which I am also now just realizing this is a very whale shark heavy episode. They said it was breathtaking and a once in a lifetime experience. And I know I've mentioned it on here so many times that I snorkeled with whale sharks in Cancun. And that's the best way to describe it. It's just, you're there and it's so amazing to see these giant creatures just hanging out and doing their thing, especially when you're in person. In the video, the whale shark looks like it's a juvenile, but the ocean's also very vast, so it, it could, couldn't really identify its size there myself, and I didn't see anything in the article or the video that said how big it was, but it was just hanging out, eating some plankton, and enjoying its life, and the divers were so excited to be around it, they took some videos, the guy took a selfie with it, which was sick, um, I wish I would have taken advantage of that, but I was freaking out the entire time I was swimming with them, so I didn't get to do that. But yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I'm really happy to hear that the whale sharks are just hanging out around Kenya and people are hanging out with them. That's pretty sick. Now, of course, I will once again mention that no matter what sharks you are hanging out with, no matter how docile or how calm they seem, don't just start touching sharks. Um, there's oils on your hands that can potentially hurt them. Uh, and of course you don't want them to get too comfortable around humans because some people just have bad intentions when it comes to sharks. And it's kind of the same way you shouldn't start feeding the wildlife in a park. You don't want bears to get too comfortable around humans, um, anything like that. So don't go out trying to pet the shark, no matter how pettable they look. I do agree that some sharks are adorable and they look like a little puppy that just needs a little boop, but they also have very sharp teeth and they might take your gentle pat on the head as the threat and they'll bite you so just be careful there but the other story that i have is south africa's missing sharks have been found and this is by hakai magazine i believe i'm sorry once again if i mispronounced your name but this one is really really cool now i, I think this is the first really really cool i've thrown out in the podcast but south africa was losing a lot of sharks especially great whites due to orcas which I am realizing with the past couple, I'm realizing a lot recently, uh, but within the past couple episodes, this has been a very anti-orca podcast, and if anyone who has an orca podcast wants to have a conversation, or anyone who just likes orcas uh, wants to come in and change my mind, uh, please let me know, uh, because uh, I'm willing to have a chat, but back on track, uh, these orcas would go after great whites, oil-rich livers, and leave the rest of the body to either sink to the bottom or wash up on shore and terrorize children because they're evil. But orca slander aside, uh, they're crazy intelligent uh, to be able to figure out that this is the part of the shark that they like to eat and that y'all can just have the rest. Now, great white numbers had declined greatly and they seemed to disappear from the areas where they once dominated. Thankfully, they decided that the area had gone down the drain and they wanted to move to nicer waters, which they wouldn't get killed by orcas. So they moved further east and set up shop there. Now, the numbers have been able to rebound, which has been great, uh, but time will tell if they're able to sustain these numbers or if orcas will drive them out once again. So, happy story for now, potentially more issues to come in the future. But that is what I have for this episode. I wanted to thank you all once again for listening, of course. Uh, follow the Instagram and the Twitter. Once again, that is at Deep Dives with Sharks on Instagram and Deep Dive Sharks on Twitter. I run polls, uh, ask questions. I do stuff throughout the week, hopefully. I try to keep you updated on what's going on in my own life and when you should expect another episode. And, of course, I love to hear what you all would like to hear as well. So send those my way, any comments, questions, anything of that sort. And of course, give us a rating on Apple or Spotify. Share it with anyone who you think will listen. Thank you all so much. You're all so amazing. And I will see you in the next one.